It's Cofield and Company. 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 Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, that's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield in snowy Fort Collins. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Ari is also in our Finley Toyota Studios. We're heading towards a 6 o'clock tip, UNLV at Colorado State. Maybe an announcement this weekend, early next week, with the Raiders head coaching gig, GM gig, gigs still open. So we're going to be talking about that a lot with the uh, latest hot name. I'm not so hot on it. And, of course, full preview of the Final Four coming up on Sunday in the National Football League. Reminder, tonight you can watch the UNLV game at PT's Pub, Trop in Maryland, ESPN Las Vegas, and Tyler Bischoff will be on the scene with tons of prizes, $10 Miller Lite pitchers. So good time to be had as UNLV with a tough one tonight on the road against Colorado State, one of the top 40 teams in the country, according to Ken Palm. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Adam, I assume you're going to be locked down all weekend watching TV and tracking the cold weather in Florida and the blizzard in the Northeast. Yeah, I got the uh, multi-TV set up. Usually it's a lot of different games on. Yeah. Uh, But I think I'll go games, mute, and storm coverage with sound. This is your cup of tea. It is. You love weather disasters. Uh, you love when you get to watch the weather updates overnight. Oh, yeah. When the rest of the Pacific time zone is sleeping. So you are all over this. What is the latest on the uh, Hill Doppler? Uh, well, this is very unpredictable. So I, I like that. that. Those are things I like. And by the way, I'll be clear. I like news events, like any live news coverage yes. Yes. I'm into. That's why you love the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, if they're wait. not here, it's much better. Oh, yeah. Anything overnight. And we're yep. going to get a lot of 12 overnight. time zones away, you're good to go. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm already the world's you know largest peacock advocate, but with this Olympics coming up, man, it's going to be even better. Um, and, by the way, you can, get some, you can get some international news on Peacock, too, so you can get storm coverage from all around the world, which is fun. Uh, this is, like, one of the most unpredictable storms ever. It's a – I know you like this from the past. It's a bomb cyclone. It's a bomb cyclone. I love the bomb cyclones. Oh, it's great. I don't know what they are, but I love the name. So, you know, I know people like to make fun of weather predictions anyway, but how do you feel if you're in the New York area and you get the anywhere between zero to 20 inches? I mean, in a way, I guess it's kind of exciting until it wreaks havoc and you have no power for four days. Yeah, that's no fun. But I just like the, you know, okay, if it's if it's two, three, four inches, okay, fine. Even if it's up to like six, seven, all right, cool. We're getting 20 inches. It's a totally different scenario. Now, I know a lot of people have had fun with this today, the, you know, zero to 20. Sure. It sounds like it just depends on where you are. It's going to be very, you know, 
specific areas that get 20 and then other places that don't get much at all. Uh, and it does sound like, man, Eastern Long Island, look out. Yes, it sounds like uh, along the, what, Delaware up to Massachusetts coastline, the coastline could get hit the hardest. And if it comes inland a little bit, look out. So you're in on weather, too. Well, you know what's weird is I don't know that I have access on uh, 19 things that I subscribe to to the Weather Channel at home, and I just happen to have the Weather Channel on in the hotel room, so I was watching it, and I got to tell you, the coverage is just absurd <laughs> because, oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not even going to bring this one up. Um, I think if you were doing – it's basically you doing the weather, you doing bad news reports. Like, underneath your breath, you're really laughing. Sure. Because you love it so much, and the Weather Channel – Everyone was so giddy, and they would have to stop themselves every three minutes to talk about, you know, the real dangers, though. It's really dangerous. Like Florida, the fact that it's going to be 28 in Fort Myers, really dangerous. Well, you know, 20, 20 inches in some beach town, it's going to be really dangerous. Be careful. But, the, like, the five minutes in between, they are over the moon talking about the potential snowfall. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're in that business, it's tough not to. I mean, that's why you go into it's it. It's what for they exciting. do. It's right. what they do. I mean, it, we know. Uh, in Vegas, you know the Vegas weather people are like, oh, I can't stay here that long. There's really not weather here. Like, what am I doing? They still lead the newscast oh, they still, every night. They totally build it up like we have like this the wildest weather, and I, it's like it's the same thing for like eight months out of the year. It's somewhere between freaking seventy five and one hundred, and it never rains. Oh, it's windy. That's the disaster we get. It's windy. <laughs> you know, every weather person, unless they're a true vet, they want to get the hell out of Vegas. You want to go to places like. You know, Boston or the Jersey Shore or, hell, even Florida. You know, Miami is like, ah, oh, the, the record low on Saturday all time is 36. It might get to 34. <laughs> okay. We have those. We have the extreme heat, though, too, and then the wind, and there's every once in a while the storm. Last year we got the snow. I feel like it's getting more moderate. Yeah, we had the snow last year. That was very, that was exciting. Um, I actually have made a snowfall bet. Okay. Just so you know. Um, Sam Paniotovich, who is uh, one of our resident cappers, betting experts, uh, set the over-under for Boston at 20 inches. I, I think it's going to lose, but I still went over. I, I talked to, to him a little while ago. It's 19 and a half, and now the biggest thing is when do we measure and where do we measure? Well, it's usually the airport. Yeah, I don't like the airport. Why? Because I feel like there's there's too much asphalt there, and they're not going to get it. I, I actually was looking for a little bit of elevation in the Boston area. <laughs> Go <laughs> now! You're cheating. Why? Well, I, mean, I, I can I think... go for the. There's there was there's a town that one of the predictions had it at um, what was it 18 to 24 inches. Actually, I saw one that had it at 24 to 30 inches. In a, I, I mean, I, I guess I could use a New England accent like Taunton, Massachusetts. It's okay. it's a uh, taunt on you know O N at the end. So I might go with that. Um, but you you think I'm going to be forced to go with the airport? I mean, I think that's usually how these things are done. All right, well, we're putting a – because uh, Sam got screwed by some uh, dork producer at, like, the Today Show or GMA. It was GMA. Uh, and never got paid. We're putting up, a like, a kind of a mid-level bottle of tequila. And if you're a fancy tequila drinker, relax, okay? It's it's not it's not super fancy, but it's like a $70 bottle of tequila. Okay. Fair? Uh, I think that's fair. Is there anything else they need to negotiate? Because you're the master of making sure there's no loose ends on – no, I think the location is certainly the one. Yep. Uh, you didn't do a difference between accumulation and, and snowfall, right? What's that? Well, I mean, the snowfall would measure how much falls in a particular area, but accumulation could be totally different. Like, uh, snowfall would be greater than accumulation. It could be equal. Right. 
but it can't accumulation can't be greater than the than the amount that falls. I'll have to look into that. Okay, I got to look into that. I would we're at, we're at nineteen. We're at nineteen and a half inches, and I actually I think I pulled a fast one on him. Uh, he wanted to go AccuWeather. I'm going with Weather Channel members. Okay. Because, because after I, the enthusiasm I saw today on the Weather Channel, I think they're gonna. I think if it's 19 inches, it's going to 20. I think they're just gonna fudge the numbers. Mm. But that's that's the official scorekeeper. All right. I mean, that's. I'm, I'm now a little strategy even, here. Now I'm even more into it. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna be watching. I want to. I kind of want to figure out a way uh, to get in on the action. You know what's gonna happen though. There's gonna be there's gonna be a little bit of a change, and it's gonna blow out like 10 miles off the coast. And they're going to get like six inches. Oh yeah, I definitely would have taken the under. Freaking disaster! There's no uh, he, he 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 already offered. He offered to take the under, so I wanted to have some fun with it. So notice mm-hmm. I didn't put like you know five hundred, a thousand bucks or more on this thing. But it's you will buy the bottle if you if you lose a thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. Yes, because that's the whole point here is that he made a bet uh, earlier in the year, and some guy for months has still not paid him, and now blocked him. <laughs> like you're the one who talked trash. He made a bet with you, and now you blocked him, and a bunch of people are going at the kid, and it's like pay the bet. I mean, hopefully that's the last time he has to do it. That is the most obnoxious part of making wagers with anyone. Oh no, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, I've made you know I've made wagers with listeners, and I've won. I think I've won at least three where I didn't get paid. They just ghosted me. So obnoxious, right? It was one of those about six years ago. You know, it's three games into the season, and someone sent me a list of like, you know. 24 teams that wouldn't it wouldn't be 24 but um eliminate it was on the lower end so whatever like 13 teams that couldn't make the playoffs after three games and i'm like i'll take the other side <laughs> and of course i won and then got ghosted so should i make a josh mcdaniels will be the head coach of the raiders yes no bet solid segue yeah um i think i think you have something here i think you believe this is happening because you were really quiet yesterday on mcdaniels and i didn't get it but I thought about it more. I'm like, I think you have some kind of inside hook that says he is close to getting the job and you're going to have to work around this guy because you've been all in on smashing everything Patriot-related. And now you're like, well, you're like trying to be all understanding. No, I'm not, I'm not being under I'm, – I'm trying to be understanding of him as a coach. Like, I think it's – Let's compl- give the Belichick tree a, a chance. Let's give McDaniel's Denver thing and the Colts thing, you know, Aaron Hernandez. Ah, oh, there's a, you know, there's a lot of, lot of factors here. That well, was you yesterday. I didn't say to give the Belichick tree a chance. I, I, I made, I, I made up a lot of that, but yeah. you were, you were trying to tiptoe around, but you know, not go in on him hard. No, I think there's a lot of negatives about Josh McDaniel's. The, the, the only thing I'm fighting back on from people is when people are like, he sucked, he sucked. Why would we hire a guy that sucked? Right. That was like in a lifetime ago. That was a long time ago. That's all I'm saying in terms of McDaniels. He would not be my first choice by any stretch. Um, I, I think there's a lot of character concerns yep. about Josh McDaniels. But I think the if your argument is he wasn't good as a head coach, that was a long time ago, and he's a well, different person, a different coach now. Let's go through a few of those details on the way back, and then we'll also get into the character part of it, which I think is – Really big. Listen, we're not. We don't work with the guy, but we know the situation with the Raiders, and they got to be real careful about who they bring in and the situation they have to manage here in Vegas. Nova Home Loans brings you trending at three. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans with interest rates at all time lows. Now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. Eight seven 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 hundred Nova. You hired a dude that interviewed well. Well, what is the interview and who's 
the person doing the interview. Stop moving the goalposts. Just hire the people that know what they're doing and how to coach football. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. What a simpleton take from Keyshawn. So he doesn't want to do interviews, just people who know what they're doing. That's all that goes into a job. Just from the outside, Adam, they know what they're doing. Well, what tells you they know what they're doing? I mean, Keyshawn knows, I guess. It's that easy. This many teams in the NFL miss on head coaches, and Keyshawn says, don't do interviews, just hire people who know what they're doing. All right, Keyshawn. Good enough, I I guess. By the way, is that the way we should operate in radio? Should we not listen? Hey, I hear they're on a good show. Oh, you want to hear them? You want to actually listen to like a bunch of sample and then actually talk to them and get their philosophy and see if they actually work hard and if they're in the social media. And now, you know what? They're on a good show. Just hire them. No, they know how to hit the post. That's that's the problem yeah. in the NFL is, and I mean, right now we've seen it. That well, what was the worst coaching hire this last cycle? Urban Meyer. Well, he knows what he's doing, according to Keyshawn. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. But I'm sure he flip around and go, well, that was college, not the NFL. So I just read a tweet from uh, your buddies over at the Athletic saying um, Raiders coaching search enters the, uh, enters the final stretch. Owner Mark Davis is said to be enjoying the buzz surrounding Josh McDaniels. Ugh. The buzz. Um, now, another one of your friends in the media, uh, Josh Dubow, posted a poll question earlier about who people want as a Raiders head coach. The choice is Rich Basaccia, who's like 98% out the door, <laughs> Harbaugh, McDaniel, Josh McDaniels, or other. Right now, other is ahead of Josh McDaniels. So is that the buzz? I mean, if, unless... I mean, we're talking about it, but I didn't know that had anything to do with any of this search for the Raiders. No, that, but... That, that, that we, that it was, so is that what's happened? Like, we haven't been that fired up to talk about anyone all along, but now that Josh McDaniels is getting a lot of buzz, the Raiders are like, ooh, okay, this is interesting. Well, th- does that mean that Mark Davis is, he's like... Bobby the Brain Heenan, like he just he's there, he's a heel and he's there for the negative buzz. I don't know. Like I said, and that's just one informal poll. And I also think it's unfair to have McDaniels go against Harbaugh. He has no shot, but he is losing to other. Sure. And by the way, we should we should mention, uh, as we're talking about the Raiders search, another position has been filled in the last uh, 30 seconds. Oh, okay. I'm still alive with my bet, am I not? You are alive. Yes, because the did the Giants put enough pressure on Brian Dayball who I think is being heavily considered for the Dolphins job, but the Giants already had this happen where they screwed up with Matt Rule. Am I way off here? Am I like pointing out this whole narrative? Or did Brian Dable get the Giants job? Brian Dable got the Giants job. Yeah, baby. All right. So my bet that Brian Flores, and I'm not rooting against the guy. Well, I kind of am now. But my bet, the day that Dable was let go of, you know, by the Dolphins, and everyone's like, you're definitely getting another job. I'm like, no, he's not. So... That was one of the jobs he was heavily in the running for. Uh, I think he's going to get an interview with the Saints. He yeah. was in for the Bears. Flores, of course, the former Dolphins coach. And it looks like uh, they'll go with a diversity candidate in another McDaniel. Not McDaniels, but Mike McDaniel from the Niners. Could be the hire. Mm. That's what I was reading earlier. I don't have sources on this one, but apparently I think the Giants were look Like Dayball was told, hey, we need to talk to one other candidate. It's Mike McDaniel. And the Giants stepped up, and they're like, okay, we need a decision. Which I don't blame them. No. Like, let's go. Crapper, get off the pot. And, the, I mean, secretly, the you know the candidate I've been pushing for would then be the coach in Miami. 
Who have you been secretly pushing for? McDaniel. Oh, you have him. That's my guy. Why are you secretly doing it when you're in the media and you do a radio show? I mean, secretly on Twitter, just putting it out there. Hey, he's still available. Yeah. So have you been pushing for him to be heavily involved or heavily a part of the Raiders search? I have reasons that I want him to be the Raiders coach, yes. Oh, you do. Well, yes. is it the Yale tie? Uh, Yeah. Okay. There you go. So, I cannot. I cannot wait until if Mike McDaniel gets a job. I cannot wait until people see his first press conference and try to pass judgment on him because Deadspin made the mistake last week, not realizing what his background is <laughs> from a lot of standpoints. Yeah, because he is one of the most nerdy guys you've ever seen. Like Jeff Garcia might flip out. He won't because he knows who he is and he's sure. a Niners guy. But Jeff Garcia types who look at Mina Kimes and go. Not a football person will look at Mike McDaniel and go, not a football person. Well, he's, he is a football person, though. That's my point. Yeah, he played. But if you judge the, you know, if you judge the book by the cover, people are going to look at him and go, what is this? Yeah. By the way, look at the years that he was at Yale. Just <laughs> as a... Oh, same age, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. Well, that would be cool for you. Oh, yeah. Um, it would be great if yeah. he was the coach here. Uh, but I don't, no, I don't think he hasn't been in the mix. He hasn't been mentioned. I think he should. I think they should interview him. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a huge hit wherever he is. Now, I don't know. Again, he knows what he's doing. I don't know that means he wins games, but he's right. going to be a hit. Well, here's the question. Is he a head coach? And that's the same exact question we need to apply to Josh McDaniels. He wasn't the first time around when he was 32 years old, nor was he a GM, by the way, or like director of football ops. And apparently he had like all those responsibilities. And here's the problem with a lot of the Belichick tree. I don't think that's what McDaniels asked for the first time around, but I think most Belichick tree guys – because they work with Belichick and they see how he operates, are like, yeah, I want that where I go. And it's like, no, you don't get that. And that's my worry about Josh McDaniels. Well, and I don't – listen, I don't even think that's what it is because if – and I know there was some – you know, there was a lot of trying to PR repairing of what happened with the Colts. But I think you look at the Colts for a little bit better indication of what happened or, or of what Josh McDaniels is than you do at the Broncos. Because, as you said, he was very young. It was different. Now – a lot of people have opinions about what happened with the Colts. I, I don't know if either side is necessarily oh, right. Oh, I've seen people say it was all on the Colts, and that is absolutely not the truth. No, but but I think it was. But it's not. But the Colts, I don't think, were blameless. No, but it, I think it goes to. It's exactly what we set this up with with Keyshawn, right? Of just hire a guy who knows what he's doing. Right. That this is why you can't, because in that process, it doesn't sound like there was a lot of discussion about philosophies and that sort of thing. So if you go back and look, what what came out, and I know this is a lot of Josh McDaniel's side kind of you know rubbing the PR you know, wounds a little bit, but I, it's believable that he took the job, and in the time between him taking the job and, and them having a press conference to announce it, he started doing things like, all right, uh, who's in charge of the video department? Is that my guy or is that an organization guy? Uh, all right, who's in charge of the training staff? Is that my guy or... An organizational guy who's in charge of you know this part of the of the of the franchise, and in the Colts it was Chris Ballard who was right. like, yeah, I am. I'm in charge of all that stuff. It's an organization thing. I run that. McDaniel's was like, uh, no, I want to bring in you know Patriots video guy. I want to bring in Patriots trainer, well, Patriots which, medical which, guy, which has to be a hard no on the video guys. Well, he already gotten the Broncos in trouble and himself in trouble. But that, I mean, that's isn't that how the Patriots have success? No, but you just can't do it. And obviously the Broncos were completely embarrassed by that whole deal. You know, let's get some more insight. We're going to bring in Nate Crackman from Altitude Sports Radio in Denver. He'll talk about the McDaniels experience 
in Denver. Again, it was 10 years ago, but can a leopard change its spots? Do do any of us really change over the years or, you know, in the end, we are who we are? The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. So we got a lot of big news around the NFL. We're back here on Cofield and Company. And this Josh McDaniels thing is, I'm stymied a bit by this. And I want to bring in some people who have been around the Josh McDaniels experience in the past. So Nate Crackman's in Denver. Josh McDaniels was there for basically a year and three quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people qualify it as just a total disaster. Uh, before we get to the details on what you know, are you surprised that the Raiders are looking at Josh McDaniels? No, it, it's it, it makes absolute perfect sense that you would go and look at Josh McDaniels. The the guy has been really, really good at his job. Um, and, and you're always looking for, okay, who is an offensive coordinator uh, that, that, that calls plays, that has some experience in a head coaching position, et cetera, et cetera. McDaniels makes a ton of sense. You know, the Indy disaster uh, a couple of years ago, that should have given a lot of teams pause. Looking back on his Denver tenure, that should also give teams pause. But I – and this is where I'll give Mark Davis some leeway here – I bring the guy in and I ask him a ton of questions and really try and get to the bottom of um, what happened in Denver, what happened in Indy. And again, the Denver thing, it was, it was 10 years ago. I mean, 12, 11 and 12 years ago was when it went down. So there's a, there's a lot of distance there. How much maturity has come for Josh McDaniels. I think that's a big part of what you got to figure out because the the football knowledge is, you know, you, you can't dispute it. The guy's really good at his job. Well, let's talk about what happened uh, on the field and off the field in Denver and, and how it all came to an end, a very abrupt end. Yeah, so Josh McDaniels was hired by the Broncos after Mike Shanahan was fired. Mike Shanahan had been the head coach of the Broncos from 1995 to uh, 2008. So Mike Shanahan, this this is an important piece of the background here, I think, is that um, Mike Shanahan became the football czar in Denver. Uh, Pat Bolin, the the owner, had had basically designated Mike Shanahan like you're my coach for life. Um, Shanahan had won a couple of Super Bowls. You know the you know he had led the Elway, Terrell Davis, Shannon Sharp teams to a couple of Super Bowls, and then you know rebuilt that thing with Jake Plummer. They went to an AFC Championship game in 2005, and then he made the the decision to draft Jake Cutler in the first round and. The, the the team hadn't gotten back to the postseason with Cutler at quarterback, but they they were getting pretty good. Like that that offense was good. It, they, they had uh, Brandon Marshall uh, early on in his career, absolutely in his prime. Eddie Royal, Tony Scheffler, there were weapons. Like it was a good offense. But uh, Pat Bowen was dissatisfied with with Mike Shanahan's defense. Shanahan didn't want to make personnel changes, so so Pat Bowen fires him, and and it was stunning. Because Pat Bowlen was he was the football czar, uh, uh, or Mike Shanahan was the football czar, and he ran the show, and Pat Bowlen gave the keys to everything. Josh McDaniels got hired, and what I was told was in the interview process, Pat Bowlen um, listened to Josh McDaniels for a short portion of his interview, stood up, left the room, took Joe Ellis's right hand man outside, and said, "Hire that guy." Um, wow. Yeah. He, 
he was he was wowed by the by the brilliance of Josh McDaniels, and then you know Pat Bolin um, walked out the door and said, "That's my guy." They completed the interview process, you know, the, the Rooney Rule, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Josh was preordained; he was going to be the guy. Broncos hired Josh McDaniels, and early on in his tenure, of what I understand, Josh McDaniels walked in the door and figured. I'll be a football coach. And in Denver, because Mike Shanahan was such a maniacal micromanager and had his hand in everything, the organization only knew how to operate in one way. Go to Mike. Ask Mike everything, okay? that That's, that's why I gave you all that Shanahan background, because they started going to Josh McDaniels on, well, Josh, we need... We need new carpet in the meeting room. What color do you like? And Josh McDaniel's response was, I don't care. Just buy some carpet. I have to coach football here. But when you keep going to a guy with questions like that every single day, and he's 32 years old, he's eventually going to think, oh, this is just my job. And he's going to start to answer all those questions. Um, And suddenly it became very clear, oh, Josh McDaniels is going to have the same authority that Mike Shanahan had over the Broncos. And he's 32 years old, okay? Mike Shanahan was really good, and Josh McDaniels wasn't. And they let Josh McDaniels rearrange the personnel department. They let him fire um, some very high-ranking football operations executives, guys that he didn't like, and they let him put his own pieces in place. But basically, McDaniels was given Mike Shanahan power, the kind of power that Belichick had in New England. They let him run the draft. And if you go back and look at 2009, the Broncos draft, it's the worst draft in the history of the NFL. <laughs> I swear to God, Steve, I'm not. this is not hyperbole. They, they had five picks in the first two rounds, okay? They took Sean Moreno at number 12, which what are you doing taking a running back? Um, they took Robert Ayers at number 18. He was an adequate journeyman eventually for the Giants, never did anything for the Broncos. They traded, this is insane, they traded a future first to get a second-round pick, number 37 overall, to draft cornerback Alfonso Smith, who washed out of the NFL, I think, in three years. Um, that future first that they traded, they traded it to Seattle, and the Seahawks used that pick in 2010 to take Earl Thomas. Um, so keep keep an eye on that. And right. then he he drafted a couple of other absolute scrubs in the second round. The the last guy that he took was a tight end out of North Carolina. His name was uh, Richard Quinn. Um, and Richard Quinn in his conference call with Denver reporters said, "You know, my agent thought I was going to go undrafted. So this is awesome." <laughs> This was McDaniel's first draft. He had five picks in the first two rounds and over, man. I mean, disasters. So he starts the year, Steve. They go six and oh. They go six and oh with Kyle Orton at quarterback. Why was Kyle Orton the quarterback? Because Josh McDaniels went to war with Jay Cutler. His first meeting with Cutler, he brought him in and basically told him, like, I think you're a scrub. I don't think you're good enough. Oh, wow. um, and Cutler turned to his agent and said, get me out of here. I don't want to work for this guy. This guy's a nightmare. So they trade Jay Cutler to Chicago for, for Kyle Orton and, and a couple of first round picks and wasn't a bad haul. And Orton was whatever. He was fine. That's all Kyle Orton was. Jay Cutler was actually, th- th- here's a hot take. Okay, Steve, you can laugh me out of the room if you want. If the Broncos don't 
fire Mike Shanahan. Jay Cutler is in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Mike Shanahan and Jay Cutler, that was something. They were they were cooking. Okay. That was a good offense. That was a perfect fit for Jay. Jay liked Shanahan and respected him. He goes to Chicago. He gets a new offensive coordinator every year. He turns into a turd. He's terrible. I swear to God, people laugh me out of the room when I say this stuff. If Jay Cutler and Mike Shanahan stick together, um, it would have been a f- phenomenal career for the guy. Uh, he just he lost his perfect situation. So with Kyle Orton, he starts six and zero. McDaniel's does two thousand nine, right? And the whole town is going. This guy's a genius, kid genius. Look at this. Uh, they finished eight and eight. Wheels came off. Wheels came off badly, um, and they finish eight and eight. Okay, but again, first year head coach can make some excuses. Next draft, he takes Demarius Thomas at number 22. Really good pick. Great pick. The late Thomas, great player. Number 25 overall, Tim Tebow. Yep, he drafted Tim Tebow. He was the guy that used the first-round pick on Tebow. Um, and, and shortly after Tebow got in the building, Josh, I think, realized, oh, God, this guy's terrible. The 2002 <laughs> Broncos, one of the worst football teams I've ever been around. Eventually, somebody on Josh's staff uh, films the Niners practice before they play each other in London. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a spy scandal. McDaniels gets fired. Um, and, and it's just a total disaster. I think that team was 4-12 and 12 that year. They were, they were horrendous. They were just awful. And the players hated McDaniels. They couldn't stand him. Uh, the whole thing was just – it was an absolute disaster. Um, McDaniels was really bad in his tenure in Denver. The Broncos also empowered him – to be awful at his job. So it was a, a confluence of everybody failing each other. And it all led to, you know, eventually the hiring of John Elway and then, you know, and, you know, they win a Super Bowl in 2015. That all ends with it. But the Josh McDaniels era, that was that was a special kind of suck here in Denver. Nate Crackman talking about uh, Josh McDaniels because he was there in Denver for a year and three quarters and he just went through the entire history. Nate, of course, does sports radio in Denver on altitude sports radio. So for you, as you look at this, you're like, well, he's had 10 years since maybe he's matured. He's learned. Now, of course he's learned under Belichick. Uh, the Belichick tree has produced a four ten winning percentage in 27 seasons with five playoff appearances. So that's one of my big worries. The, the tree has not really been uh, producing fruit over the years. And the other thing is I think the Raiders job is a unique job, especially new to the market. Hmm. They had a really interesting season this last season with a lot of PR issues. And I just wonder if Josh McDaniels from a personality standpoint, a PR standpoint is right for this job. The, the first thing that we joked about yesterday on our show, when this news came across me and Andy Lindahl doing our afternoon show here in Denver was, well, sounds like Derek Carr's getting traded. Yep. Okay. So McDaniels going to walk in the door go tell Derek Carr, you stink and, and force him out the door. So, so that was the first thing that we joked about. Look, I, I think Josh is a very good offensive coach. There's no denying that he is an excellent offensive coach. And you know what? I think he did He did an okay job with Cam Newton. Um, he did a really good job with Mac Jones this year. So there's some evidence. In, in addition to he won games with Kyle Orton, he's not just a Tom Brady creation. I will say that for the offensive mind of Josh McDaniels. He did the worst Belichick impression you've ever seen when he came to Denver, right up to wearing a hoodie. I mean, just, just like nonsense of like, dude, come on. Like, come on, this is a joke. What are you doing, man? Like, be your own person. Can can somebody mature out of that? That's 
That's the question right there. But, I mean, you bring up, again, the, the track record is terrible of, of these Belichick guys. We thought maybe Flores was going to be, you know, a new story right there, and all he did was make enemies all over the place down in Miami. So, yeah, it's it's right to have pause about all of this. Now, again, it, I think another key difference here is uh, between the Raiders situation now and the Broncos situation back then, and, and I don't want to be insensitive about any of this, Steve, um, Pat Bolin was very much suffering from the, the early stages of dementia. And, you know, the, the reporting that Woody Page and other people have done here in Denver have made that very clear of um, Pat Bolin was not in a good place and yet was still in the building every day and still technically in charge of the football operation. Um, you know, Joe Ellis, his right-hand man, who has, you know, run the operation since then, um, was also a part of the whole thing. But, the Broncos were in a bad place at that time. Um, you know, Pat Bowen passed away a couple of years ago. Not like they're in a better place now as, you know, stupid kids are fighting over who's going to be the owner of the team. And it's just eventually going to have to be sold because the it's, it's just a mess. It is an absolute mess. But the one thing the Raiders have going for them is there is strong ownership. It's worth debating the quality of that ownership, but there is strong ownership. Like Mark is in the building and is overseeing things, there's somebody that Josh McDaniels will have to answer to in that job. He didn't have that in Denver. Again, I can't stress this enough. He was a 32-year-old. Um, that is, it's the equivalent of you know giving a kid with a learner's permit the keys to a Corvette. You just don't do that. Nate Crackman with us. All right, universal support for uh, Nathaniel Hackett as the new Broncos coach. It's good hire. I, you know, I don't hate the hire. This is this is where I'm gonna stop. Who's a quarterback? Okay, you getting Aaron Rodgers? You getting Devontae Adams? Awesome. Let's do this. This is gonna be a great hire. Um, is Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke still in the quarterback room next year? Are you acquiring Cousins or Garoppolo or something like that? And then Nathaniel Hackett will be out of a job in three years, just like Fangio was, just like Vance Joseph before him. So. That, that that's my whole thing. I, I'm so jaded by coaching hires. I can't get excited about this. I'm glad. Look, I'm glad he's an offensive coach. Um, he seems like a smart offensive coach. He figured out how to win with Blake Bortles down in Jacksonville. Cool. You know, they, they had a top 10 offense one year with, you know, not the greatest uh, player in the history of the game at quarterback. That's, that's good to see. Okay, cool. Um, but let's, let's pump the brakes on the excitement right here. And until the Broncos find a quarterback, they are a distant fourth in this division. We've had the argument a lot on our show, and I, I keep hearing the point uh, around the country that the Broncos have a really good roster and a really good defense. Do they? No, no. This is what's so funny about all of this is, like, like they paid Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. They gave them nice contracts. They got Jerry Judy, okay, who hasn't shown up yet as a player. Uh, that, that's the skill positions. Javante Williams actually is an awesome back, and I think he's going to be a really good player. I'm, I'm glad that they have him. Their offensive line is middling to bad at best. They don't have a quarterback. Defensively, Patrick Sertan was a great rookie. Justin Simmons is a really good safety. Um, but they they're Shelby Harris led him in sacks this year with six. They have no pass rush. Bradley Chubb did not have a sack this year. Zero. Okay. He was a fifth overall pick. They took him instead of Josh Allen. Like this is this is a reality of this organization. I I don't see that good of a roster. And here's the other thing: is is they get praise in Denver because it's just like, oh man, like Elway and Payton have done a great job with the cap. Denver's 40 million under the cap. They're in a great position right now. 
You know what my response to that is? You know why you're 40 million under the cap? You don't have any good players. <laughs> you don't have to spend money on a roster when you don't pay anybody because all your right. players stink. That's why they're in this position. Now, again, yes, it sets them up well for the offseason, but I would rather be a team that is in cap trouble because I actually have good players that I have to pay. So, yeah, I don't – man, like there's a there's like four or five nice players on the Broncos roster. After that, man, no, that, that narrative, I don't know why it exists. It was like it existed before the start of the season, and maybe I bought it a little bit because we were looking at a bunch of guys and saying, maybe they'll be better this year. And then they weren't. So let's stop that narrative now. But for whatever reason, it's perpetuated, and I don't get it, man. Nate Crackman, Sports Radio uh, in Denver, Altitude Sports Radio. So we call you from Vegas to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, division rival and also, uh, you know, olden days with Josh McDaniels, who may now be in the running for, he is, for the Raiders job. Has anyone from Jacksonville called you and asked you about Vic Fangio? Vic Fangio got an interview already as for a head coaching position in Jacks. Well, uh, okay, so there's the Trent Baalke connection, right? We were talking about this on our show yesterday because Fangio was uh, with him in San Francisco, so I assume Balky likes him. But aren't they going to fire Balky? Like, I don't. So, what is he doing bringing guys in for interviews right now? I thought he was getting replaced too. No, they're, they're an absolute disaster. I, I cannot figure it out. Look, I think Vic Fangio is the, the best defensive coordinator working today in football. Um, he has no business being a head coach. Now, who knows? Maybe he can get down to Jacksonville and he can hire a good offensive coordinator that's not Pat Shermer and he can fix Trevor Lawrence and, and they could be something. It, it's, you know, I'm not going to dismiss that possibility completely, but guy's not a head coach. He's not an NFL head coach. He's in, in, our equivalent is in Denver. Wade Phillips was the head coach of the Broncos for two years and he was awful. And Wade Phillips years later said, I'm not a head coach. Like I just, I, I have to know my limitations. <laughs> Same with Vic Fangio. Now, if he can get the paycheck, by all means, go and, go and get paid, Vic. Do that. But guy's not a head coach. Uh, let's close on this one. We got UNLV and Colorado State coming up in Fort Collins. Uh, Nate is all over CSU, and also he's one of the voices of the Mountain West Conference. This team is good. How good are they? Is this, a, this Colorado State team a team that could actually, you know, they're going to make the NCAA tournament, you know, unless they have a collapse. Can they be one of those, you know, group of five darlings, mid-major darlings that actually can make a run to the Sweet 16? Yep, they are that good. And I think this team is absolutely legit. I think I think Nico Medved is excellent. David Roddy is is a stud. He gives up a couple of inches in height, but he's stronger than everybody else that he goes up against down in the paint. Uh, Google his high school football footage. It's ridiculous. He was a quarterback in Minnesota. He was incredible. And, uh, and in Isaiah Stevens, I think they got the best point guard in the league um, and, and a guy that just consistently knows how to get into the paint. They're, they're really, really good. Their only loss was San Diego state and they lost by 30 at VA Haas. And it was, they had had a couple of days of practice after their COVID shutdown. They'd been done for three weeks. So um, I, I just, I flushed that game completely yeah. off the resume. No CSU is really, really good. They're the best team in the league. This conference is weird too. I hope outsiders don't, mm-hmm. Uh, misread it because of weird results like San Diego State, you know, at the beginning of the week blows out UNLV. I was there and I was like, oh my God, this San Diego State team is unbelievable. Then they go on the road, they get blown out by Utah State. 
because of the travel and because of the weird pauses and now the schedule all yeah. kind of scrunched together, yeah. teams are getting caught in these real weird buzzsaw spots. Yeah, San Diego State beat CSU by 30, and then they barely scored 30 against Boise State. And, and to a certain degree, like that's been the MO of a lot of Steve Fisher and Dutcher San Diego State teams is they're the most athletic, best defensive teams in the league, and there's just too many nights where they just flat out they can't buy a bucket because they never have shooters. So that's that's just kind of San Diego State basketball. Um, Boise State is good, um, and I think Leon made some some really savvy roster moves. The Degenhardt kid uh, has been a revelation. I think Kijab is good, um, and and I think Wyoming is is a really good team this year. Ek is a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams in this league, and, and Maldonado is a really good guard, and and Linder, man, that dude can flat out coach. So yeah, I, th- I think the top of the league is pretty good. And I won't totally dismiss Fresno either because Fresno can give teams problems. So, yeah, I think the top of this league is good. You just mentioned the top and then the middle. Uh, UNLV, once healthy, I I still think has upside because they have two of the elite scorers in the conference once Donovan Williams is back. Yeah. Reno Reno has as much talent as anyone. They're just playing really dumb, inconsistent basketball. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the other night they were – they were in great shape against Colorado State and they just could not score down the stretch. Yeah. And, you know, the other team we should throw in there – because they just pulled the upset, and they also started off with a really difficult schedule, Utah State. So now all of a sudden we're talking about like eight, nine deep. When yep. you get to the Mountain West Conference Tournament, it's going to be a freaking brawl. Yeah, it is. And and there's a, there's a lot of dangerous games in there. And, again, all it, all it takes is one night where a team shows up and shoots. That's uh, There you go. That's tournament basketball in, in college buckets. So that, it, there's a lot of really good teams in this league this year. Again, I, I will say objectively that this is no homer. CSU is the best team in this league. Um, you know, that they're, they're probably looking at a best like a seven seed in the tournament right now. Um, that again, the, the committee's going to look and be like, Hey, you lost at 30 is San Diego state. And they're going to ignore the story inside the story. That's we get that, that, that happens with mid-major programs. Uh, but no, CSU is good. They're, I mean, 15 points tonight, 15 point favorite against, against the rebels in, uh, in Fort Collins. It, it gives you an idea of what this team's capable of. Nate, good job, man. We appreciate it. There he is, Nate Kreckman, with a storytelling time on Josh McDaniels. That was pretty enlightening. <laughs> that <laughs> we'll was long. I know that was long, uh, but there's a lot there. But I, Vegas needs to hear about his background some 10 years ago. It's a lot of sordid details there. Thanks, Nate. Of course, Steve. Thank you. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. We are here at Moby Arena, as Doug just mentioned on the update. Big game against Colorado State for the running Rebels. A couple of injury updates. Uh, no Donovan Williams tonight. Second leading scorer for the Rebels. He is out, did not make the trip. Same goes for Josh Baker, who's missed the last two games, and Marvin Coleman, who's been injured. None of them are here in Fort Collins. So a uh, little bit of a limited squad against one of the best teams in the Mountain West Conference. Adam, update on the head coaching front. Amazingly, the Jaguars and Raiders have known the longest that they've needed a head coach. <laughs> Their gigs are still open. Nate Hackett to Denver, Matt Eberflus to the Bears, and in the last 20 minutes, your guy Brian Dayball, the miracle worker, I think you would say, with Josh Allen, oh, yeah. uh, now has a chance to work with Danny Dimes, Brian Dayball, and uh, Shane, GM, coach combo, both from the Bills, taking over New York. I mean, this could be hot take. If he turns Daniel Jones into anything, yep. don't you just put Dable in the Hall of Fame like tomorrow? I mean, yeah. is it that outrageous that he could do it? 
he took utter trash and turned it into okay, something with Josh Allen. He didn't. It, Josh Allen wasn't utter trash. He was utter trash in his first season. And, and Daniel Jones is not utter trash. He's got baby hands and fumbles too much. But you know, we're familiar with a guy who fumbles too much. I still think Daniel Jones has a shot. He had no shot with Joe Judge. Yeah, the, I, I think that's absolutely true. So, like, I don't think it's the worst project for Dable to undertake. I will say this: if he can't fix it. Um, it does suck walking into an organization and then knowing that you might not have a quarterback who could be a top 12 guy for another two years after that, right? They might have yeah. to go back into the draft. So there is a risk here. He better have – I mean, I, he must like Daniel Jones, at least some of Daniel Jones. Sure, but can I tell you that the – I mean, the real battle starts right now, and I know this is kind of inside baseball, a little bit nerdy. There is going to be a massive – I don't know if a bidding war is the right thing – there is going to be a huge power struggle for one man now, and that is Ken Dorsey. Yeah, I saw some of the uh, football insiders saying that Dorsey should be the next guy up for the OC in Buffalo, but do you think, what, there's going to be a lot of offers? That Dable is going to try to get him to New York. Oh, Dable is going to try to get him. Yeah, I, okay. I think this is going to be a huge battle, and, and this is it, it's, it would be Josh Allen's hand-selected offensive coordinator pick in Buffalo, so they, they would hire him. There's no question about it. Right. Uh, they want him to take over as the offensive coordinator, but does Dable bring him along? And would he rather live in New York than Buffalo? I mean, that's a, I guess that's a question for him to try to decide what would get him more. And I'll tell you this, because Josh Allen is viewed a certain way now uh, in the league, can't you only fail if you stay in Buffalo as offensive coordinator? And if you go and be the offensive coordinator for Daniel Jones and make him into something, don't you get a job right away? Is it better to be safe or potentially sorry? I mean, I, I think you have to I don't look at Josh Allen as the only thing, you know, that he can turn into now is a failure. If they keep winning, then Ken Dorsey's image continues to improve. So they have, he, um, it's a lot more likely that Josh Allen will be good enough and the Bills' defense will be good enough that they'll be really good versus Daniel Jones and the Giants turning around anytime soon. But do you, uh, do you get the credit, though? I, I think that's the, that's the question. I mean, look how many, look how many quarterbacks – or yes. you know, already looked at as good, and then the coach were like, "Well, what does what does he do? He just worked with this guy. You know, he just worked is, with Aaron Rodgers." Does Ken Dorsey look like Eric Bieniemy? No, then no. he'll be fine. He'll get credit. <laughs> Trust me. Four o'clock hours on the way. Let's get to a big five at four here in uh, just a couple of minutes. Reminder: Twin Peaks tomorrow is the spot to watch VGK hockey at uh, four o'clock. Ari's going to be out there from two to four, giving out prizes, including Garth Brooks tickets. How awesome is that? Twin Peaks. In Henderson, right there on Eastern. And then the big day is Championship Sunday. They have great specials on the drinks and uh, and food, and it's the National Soup Month, so Twin Peaks has all the ladies and the hot soup. I mean, come on, that's a combo you can't beat. And Ari's going to be out there tomorrow, 2-4, to four, Twin Peaks and Henderson, giving away prizes with ESPN Las Vegas. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.